So what have we been doing? Well, the last several weeks, we've been on a mission, haven't we? We've been on a mission to gain a better understanding of what it means to be part of God's mission, to be on God's mission. And while we've been on that mission, we've been keeping two specific goals in mind. Number one, we've been keeping in mind that one of the things that we're doing is we're striving to expand our vision of God's mission. We're working to gain a full understanding that, yes, mission is something that happens way out there. But mission is also something that happens right here, right here in our corner of the world. Right here and right now, God's mission is happening And number two, what we've been doing is we've been working really hard to convince ourselves that missionaries come in all shapes and sizes. Missionaries come in all ages. Missionaries come from all different backgrounds. Missionaries come to God's mission with different educational levels and different knowledge levels. They come to God's mission with all different kinds of stories. In short, I'm trying to convince us that each one of us, every single one of us, is a missionary. And that each and every one of us has an important and a unique role to play in furthering God's mission. So over the last several weeks and in service of those goals, we've looked at a variety of ways that we, in our corners of the world, can be faithful to God's mission and faithful to our role as God's missionaries. So far, everything that we've talked about concerns the way that we live out our lives in front of the world. We've seen that we further God's mission when we walk in his way, when we promote justice and righteousness in our corners of the world. We are missionaries when we bring justice and righteousness to the world. And we've learned that we further God's mission when we embrace his redemption. We called it redemptive living. When we understand that we have been redeemed and so we in turn treat others in our world with compassion. We are God's missionaries when we act compassionately. Well, next we saw that we further God's mission when we live attractive lives. Not because we're so beautiful physically, but because we're beautiful spiritually. We're God's missionaries when we live lives that attract others to our God. When our lives reflect the character and the nature of our God, we are his missionaries. And then we turned from reflecting God to the world to deflecting the world's entrapments, the world's temptations from our relationship with God. And we saw that we are God's missionaries when we are uncompromisingly loyal to our God. We are completely loyal to our Lord Jesus Christ. Then last week, as we celebrated the babies that were born into this community last year, we saw that we are God's missionaries when we remember to teach our children. When we remember to teach our children to remember their Lord and their God. 
And that carries God's mission on from generation to generation. And this week, we're going to turn our attention to being witnesses for God. This week, we're going to see that we further God's mission to the world when we bear credible witness to our incredible Lord. We are God's missionaries when we are credible witnesses for our incredible Lord. So what does it mean to be called on? What does it mean to be called to be a witness for the Lord? What does it mean to bear witness for the Lord? Well, we're all familiar with what it means to be called on as a witness, right? I mean, if we haven't actually been in a courtroom, we've certainly watched enough shows or we've read enough books to understand the role of a witness in the court of law. We know that witnesses are called to testify. They're called to give evidence. They're in court to lend support to the truth claims, to the truth claims of one side or the truth claims of the other. Let me say that again. A witness is called to lend support to the truth claims of one side or the other. And we also know that the quality of that support is very much dependent on the personal credibility of the witness. We know that that's very important, the personal credibility of the witness. So a credible witness is someone who is believable, Someone who is trusted, someone who is convincing. So when I say that we are God's missionaries, when we bear credible witness to our Lord, it implies that part of our missionary role is to be the kind of witnesses who lend support, believably, believably and convincingly provide support to the truth claims of God. Why is that important? Well, it's important because God's truth claims are incredible. God's truth claims about himself are so extraordinary as to seem unbelievable, as to seem impossible. They seem impossible without credible witnesses lending believable, trusted, and convincing witness to God's truth claims. Well, what are God's truth claims? Well, God claims to be truly unique. He claims to be the one and only God. And God claims to be sovereign, to have all power and have all control. And God claims to be the author of true salvation for those who embrace him and embrace his truth claims. God claims to bring salvation for those who claim him as their unique and sovereign Lord. Those are incredible truth claims. They're so extraordinary as to seem impossible to those who don't know God. And that's where God's people come in. You see, incredibly, God has chosen to reveal the truth about himself through his people. 
Let me say that again. God has incredibly chosen to reveal the truth about himself to the world through his people. Or to rephrase it, God has chosen his people to be his credible witnesses to the world. The credible witnesses of his incredible truth claims. You know, I believe that much of the biblical story of God as he interacts with his people can be understood as a call for credible witnesses. God calls for his people to provide believable, trusted, and convincing testimony to the world about his power and his control. Testimony about his incredible truth claims. Many of the prophets, and Isaiah in particular, makes that connection very explicit. Isaiah vividly pictures God's truth claims as being on trial. On trial before the entire world. And so we picture on one side of the court are the so-called gods of the nations. And on the other side of the court is the God of the universe. And the entire world is the jury. And you know, it shouldn't be a fair fight, right? I mean, on one side you have this, the, the mute, the inanimate gods of the nations. And they're against, it's, it's against the living, breathing creator and sustainer of the universe. It shouldn't be a fair fight. But the problem that we read in Isaiah is that when God calls for witnesses in this court before the nations, when God says, can I get a witness? Can I get credible, believable, convincing witnesses to my uniqueness and to my sovereignty? The court is tragically silent. And it was never supposed to be that way. From the story of Abraham and the covenant promises of God to the great story of the exodus from Egypt to the story of the promised land to the story of this chosen people, this holy nation, this kingdom of priests that God has called to be his witnesses. It wasn't supposed to be this way. No, they were supposed to be a generation after generation of people who lended credible witness to God's power, to God's might as he worked through them and with them. You see, Psalm 96 was supposed to be Israel's song of witness to the nations. That was how it was supposed to be. In Psalm 96... Israel is told to sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his wonder, his glory among the nations. Declare his marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. 
Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. And that was how it was supposed to be. The way it was supposed to be was as Israel lived in covenant obedience, as they lived in loving relationship with the God of the universe, they were to be God's credible witnesses to the rest of the world. As witnesses in the world court, they would proclaim God's salvation day after day to the world around them. As God's witnesses, they would declare his glory among all the nations. As eyewitnesses, they would recount his marvelous deeds among all the people. But unfortunately, God's intended witnesses, Israel, his intended witnesses weren't credible. Instead, his intended witnesses were incredibly problematic. You see, instead of living lives that proclaimed his salvation and declared his glory and recounted his marvelous deeds, instead of those kinds of lives, instead their lives became identified by disloyalty, identified by disobedience, identified by disregard, identified by darkness. Disloyalty, disobedience, disregard, and darkness. Their lives were marked by disloyalty to their covenant with their God. They'd become recognized by their disobedience to their God. They'd become identified by their disregard for God and for his prophets. And now as Isaiah speaks... The wonder of the exodus, the marvel of the promised land, the glory of the kingdom, all those things have been replaced by darkness. By the darkness and defeat of exile. See, this is the lowest of the low points. It's been century after century. It's been generation after generation of rebellion, disloyalty, disobedience, disregard. And after those centuries and after those generations, God gave his intended witnesses over. Instead of being witnesses to the world, he gave them over to the world, over to the nation of Babylon. Jerusalem had been defeated. The temple had been desecrated and destroyed. The bulk of the Israelite nation had been carted off into exile in Babylon. And in Isaiah's telling, when God called for credible witnesses to his salvation, all that was available were exiles. When God called for credible witnesses to his sovereignty, all that was available was a defeated Nation. And when the nations, when this world court looked at Israel, here's what they saw. And here's what they concluded about Israel's God. When they looked at Israel, they saw weakness. 
And when they saw Israel's weakness, they concluded that if Israel was weak, then so too must be their God. We understand the reasoning, right? I mean, after all, how can an all-powerful God have such a weak people? And when they looked at Israel, they saw people who were defeated. And they concluded that if Israel was defeated, then so too must be their God. After all, they reasoned, how can a sovereign God have people who are under the rule of other people and under the rule of other gods? So here was the verdict Here is the world's conclusion, the nation's verdict. See, if Babylon has defeated, and if Babylon rules over Israel, then Babylon's gods must have defeated, and Babylon's gods must rule over. Babylon's gods must be greater than Israel's God. That's the verdict of the world. And that's the verdict of the world, all because God couldn't get a witness. So this is the darkest of times. But in the the midst of these dark times, in the midst of the darkness of exile, when it seems like there isn't any hope, when all evidence in court seems to suggest that God's truth claims can't be supported, in steps Isaiah. And Isaiah boldly declares, Isaiah shouts, don't listen to the problematic witnesses. Because their failure isn't a failure of their God. Isaiah stands up and witnesses for God and says that God is indeed unique. He is the only God. And Isaiah testifies that God is indeed sovereign. He and he alone has all power, all control. And maybe most audaciously, Isaiah testifies that God isn't through with these defeated people. In fact, Isaiah declares that God's on the move. And God once more is going to bring salvation to his people. And since there aren't credible witnesses to be found now, Isaiah calls God to the stand as his own witness. I want you to listen to just a snippet of God's witness before the world court. Isaiah 43. I'll start reading in verse 8. God takes the stand and he says... Lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. All the nations gather together and the people assemble. Which of their gods foretold this and proclaimed to us the former things? Let them bring their witnesses to prove they were right so that others may hear and say, it is true. And then God says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. And my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. God isn't through with his people yet. They will yet be his witnesses. And he says, before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I 
Even I am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. I have revealed, I have saved, I have proclaimed. I am not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, from ancient days I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? When I act, who can reverse it? God testifies to the truth. I am unique. I am sovereign. And I will keep my promises, my promises to bring salvation and blessings to the world. God is saying to Israel and God is saying to the world, don't be too quick with your verdict about me. For the problem isn't with me, the problem is with my people. God says, I've given them plenty to see. But they're blind witnesses. God says, I've given them plenty to hear. But they're deaf witnesses. God says, I've given them gift beyond measure and freedom beyond belief. But amazingly enough, they don't have anything to show for it. Instead, they're plundered. They've been looted. They've been exiled. And because of that, they can't testify to my generosity. They can't testify to my salvation. Yes, things are dark. It's the lowest of the low. God's people are in exile. God's temple has been destroyed. God's witnesses have gone blind and deaf. God's reputation has taken a beating in the court of the world. And God's truth claims stand in the balance. Is God who he claims to be? Is he truly unique? Is he the only God? Is he truly sovereign? Does he have all power and control? And will God once more act to bring salvation and lift up credible witnesses before the world? It hangs in the balance. Will light once more break in? Will God once more be glorified? Who will witness for God to the nations? And this is where the story gets personal. It's where the story gets personal. Who's going to stand and give credible witness for God? Let me ask you some questions. What better witness could there possibly be? What better and more credible witness for God than the once blind who God has now made to see? What better, what more credible witnesses for God could there possibly be than the once deaf who God has made to hear? And what better and what more credible witnesses could there possibly be than the once enslaved who God has set free? better what more credible witnesses could there possibly be in other words 
What better and more credible witnesses for God could there possibly be than you and me? What better, more credible witnesses than the new holy nation? The new kingdom of priests? Than those who have been redeemed by Jesus Christ? Those who can testify. Those who can testify to his power, to his glory, to his control, to his saving grace. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. We're going to talk about how we are uniquely qualified to stand up and be credible witnesses for our incredible God. That's who we are. And that's who we're called to be. Let's pray. Father, you are truly incredible. And Father, if we didn't know you and we didn't know Jesus Christ, Father, we would find that those claims are very difficult to believe. But Father, we do believe. Because we've experienced your power. We've experienced your control. We've experienced your salvation. And so, Father, my prayer is that you will lift us up as your witnesses to the world. So they, too, can conclude that you are the one, the only, the true, all-powerful God of the universe. Father, help us to be your witnesses. We pray this through the name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. I want to end with our missional challenge number 12. This is a praying challenge. Here's what I want us to do this week. Every day this week, I, I ask you, I beg you, I encourage you to pray that your life and our lives as a congregation will bear witness to our unique, will bear witness to our sovereign, will bear witness to our saving God. Pray that God will make us those kind of witnesses. Let's end in song. Let's stand up and faithfully witness. Let's testify that there is a God and our God is alive. Let's sing.